Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It is episode number 82, and we are going behind the story. I am your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And you know, on our creative uh, professional industry episodes, we talk to different people to unpack the story that is their journey into their respective industries. So today, we're going to hear the story behind concept at artist at Maxis, Nina Moderafari. Nina, welcome. Hi, nice to meet you guys. Nice to be here. Thank you for joining us. And yeah, no it'd be problem. good to hear about your journey because I was looking at the different places you've been and all, all your stops. So yeah, I want to dig it's into that. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we always like talking to people in their their non-standard route, and I feel the the standard route into the games industry is a non-standard route. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to find a way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll yeah we'll we'll discover more. You can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also send us feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com in our Discord or on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter at Mayamada TV on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. First of all, let's find out what's happening in the Mayamada universe. We are edging closer and ever closer to the full 100% completion of our latest manga, Serious Through the Fog. Uh, we're getting that ready to send to print. In fact, by the time you listen to this, it should be in print, really. So that's a message to my future self uh, to sort that out. So once that's ready, we're going to be sending copies out to our Kickstarter backers, website pre-orders, and then I'll be taking the manga to the Thought Bubble Comic Festival, November 13th and 14th. So we'll be debuting uh, our new manga at our one and only convention of 2021. So uh, looking forward to that. And then once that is all uh, wrapped up, we're going to be giving more manga, uh, putting together the Olympics and Paralympics manga storylines that we did over the summer and sending that out as a free download to our mailing list. So make sure you're on our mailing list so you can get that. With the gaming side of Mayamada, we have the Gamepad Online event, which has just happened. So you can check the VOD of that, but you'll see uh, everything that we got up to uh, that'll be on Twitch for, uh, I can't do my maths, but it'll be on Twitch for 14 days. So you do the maths on however much time is left on that. And then we're also going to be doing our October games night. So we're going to be playing Identity, is it Identity V or Identity 5? Do we ever? I call it Identity V, but I also pronounce the X in Hunter, Hunter. So <laughs> Me too. Okay, so I'm going to go with V. I'm going to be consistent and say every letter as, as I see it. Uh, so we're going to be playing Identity V um, with uh, Studio 77 uh, members for Halloween. It's the first game that we've returned to, um, which means we'll be at least prepared <laughs> uh, to play it. Whether we'll be better or not, I don't know, but we'll be at least prepared uh, more than we were the last time we tried it for the, for the first time. So join us for that. So you can see how we get on and then also check out our previous Games Night highlights on YouTube. So we've been playing Roblox, we've been playing Fortnite, uh, Rocket League just went up recently uh, and there's more to come. So you can uh, enjoy the highlights from our uh, crazy times um, trying to figure out how games work. That is the latest updates from Maya Mada. Let's go behind the story with today's guest. Nina is a concept artist, uh, as I mentioned, currently working at Maxis on The Sims 4. So her previous clients include Riot, Crypt TV, and Obsidian Entertainment. And in her spare time, she likes drawing demons, girls and vampires, and lives with her wife, two cats, and a large collection of plants in California. And we will get to those plants by the end of this interview, because um, as I said to Nina before, I need some help. But let's start with the uh, the career stuff. You know, we'll, we'll we'll get out of the way, and then we'll get to the uh, the plants. Yeah, as we usually do with our interviews, we start at the beginning, uh, and always wanted to know how people kind of came to their respective careers. So, Nina, what was your 
relationship with video games growing up and specifically when did you become aware of the concept artist role in gaming so my journey was a little bit weird because my parents didn't actually like want me playing video games in the beginning they were very like they didn't really think of it as like a good thing um okay that's a familiar story to be fair yeah (laughs) i know it's always like the story is like they they didn't support but like i remember my first video game was like ghostmaster for the p for the yield pc back in the day and i i remember playing it like forever and then i started playing the original sims because i saw my cousin playing and i was like what is this like there's little people. I want to play with little people because it's like a step up from dolls, you know? <laughs> and then I remember the first time I really thought about like concept art in particular was probably Mass Effect. I got the art book for it. And I just remember being like, whoa. <laughs> I really did. I enjoyed Mass Effect. That was one of my favorite games. It's one of my series. favorites of all yeah. time. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. Have you got the remastered collection? <laughs> I you you know you think I would because like Bioware is a part of EA and stuff. Yeah. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, I haven't had time to do anything uh, lately. I've just been playing Final Fantasy fourteen <laughs> and doing work. Fair enough. To be fair, I haven't. I haven't got it uh, either. But it is definitely on that uh, list. That pile of shame. Um, I need to get I it before know. the year is out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cool. So then you mentioned like family and sort of reception to playing games what was that debate what was that discussion like when you said you wanted to work in in video <sighs> games i'm guessing there was not much understanding there not much understanding at first because my my both my parents are artists so like that they always promoted me getting into art it's just specifically video games they were like <laughs> go into film what are you doing like be an animator or you, you know how parents don't really understand like the nuance of like different uh, yeah. like you know professions within art they were like you can draw be an animator right so when i was like i want to create art for video games they were like mario what is the what that's all they knew it was like mario that's you want to make art for that uh. wow that's yeah like i said it's a familiar story and especially that as we uh work with young people just hearing that over and over and it's it's a shame because it, it does stop people in some cases mm-hmm. obviously it hasn't stopped you necessarily was was there a point where you did convince your parents that you had taken the right step uh when I got my first full-time job then I think they were like all right I guess she could make a living off of this. <laughs> fair enough that's that's all it took yeah all it took is finding a job okay well you made it you made it, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> funny story about that my after the pandemic hit and, and you know a lot of jobs became you know put in defunct right anymore my dad actually messaged me and was like Video games are doing better than ever. I guess mm. you were right. Oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's something, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't always get that admission of like, yeah, you were right. Especially from from father figures. We're like, I can never admit I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's big. That is big. And then like with you being in the in the games industry, did you come straight into the games industry or were there other stops along the journey in, in other industries? Um, I, I actually went straight into the game industry. Uh, right after graduating, I got an internship. And um, after that, I did contract for a little while looking for the full-time job. But I And then after that was another game industry job. So I've only really ever been in game industry. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And is that because of the what you studied at university? Yes, yeah. I have a uh, major in game art specifically, so. Okay, all right, so you're ready. Like, yeah, I, I was like, put me in chief. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. You're already prepared uh, to go straight into the industry and uh, out of interest. I mean, so I didn't do that. I, I studied something at university completely different mm-hmm. to what I'm doing now. But for what you're do- you're doing, how much did the university or college, is it? college over there where you are yeah yeah so college yeah the degree how, how much did that help you in your career now so it's kind of a funny thing where it's like still here e- even if you have not a high degree 
people will hire you based on portfolio and like who you know. So it's the degree helps because it gives you networking. In my opinion, I think you can get to a professional level purely through online classes and 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 like applying yourself. I don't it the degree gives the benefit of you know people. Uh you you meet a lot of people. And was that something you had in mind when you decided to go for the degree like you you knew what you were going in for or was that something you learned afterwards? I didn't I didn't know that going into it. I got the degree purely because my parents were of the mind of like you need to have like the physical hard copy proof that you <laughs> you you learned, right? And plus like, you know, I did learn a lot and I'm not trying to say that you know, you don't learn a lot in college, but at the same time, I think there's nothing quite like the first month of being professional actually in the industry. It's eye-opening. It's completely different than college sometimes. Yeah, I get that. I'm, we've got uh, interns with us in, at the moment, and one is uh, just recently graduated and I think they've uh, learned a lot of it is these past six months that mm-hmm. uh, might not have been picked up in university yeah no it was it was like in into the you know from the frying pan into the fire it was that's how it <laughs> felt like okay and so then in in the fire how do you how do you keep learning like how do you develop your skills like once you've left uh, college and you're into like the real world so to speak I think you just have to be really patient with yourself and realize that like um you have to pick up whatever people are saying people are going to help teach you especially when you're you know you're in a game studio people don't want to see you fail because if you fail everyone suffers right or or the game doesn't get made so you have to stay humble and always be willing to take lessons and and critique and feedback and willing to like learn new skills like I didn't know anything about Maya or or I didn't know a lot of things about 3D but I wanted to be a better artist and and go faster so I learned how to do it basically in in a couple of nights I was like okay I got the basics at least and when you say go faster do you mean like literally draw faster uh yeah because like um for for a lot of us at Maxis, we're doing drawing a lot of objects. And um, so it, it's easier to have a 3D model that kind of establishes perspective and draw over that rather than trying to draw. Basically, drawing on top of a 3D model is faster than just doing from scratch. Okay. And then in terms of, I mean, this is like a great question for a podcast, but how would you describe your art style? stylized realistic colorful girls <laughs> i love that description yeah <laughs> girl demons <laughs> <laughs> okay and, and what's the like what's the inspiration behind that do you have like specific artistic inspiration uh i really (laughs) my inspiration is i like girls (laughs) and i love monsters so i just combine them okay okay straightforward (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay you just didn't didn't overthink that at all no (laughs) no (laughs) we'll have a a link to your portfolio and 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 put uh that description but uh haven't seen your work yeah i think that's a good description (laughs) um and then all right we're gonna uh, talk about like the route into games and just find out like you said you uh graduated came into the games industry so how would you describe your your journey into the games industry and to where you are now like uh mm. how would you describe that journey so i got my internship right literally during my graduation ceremony and that was because I was friends with someone who was working as a artist at the company and they basically recommended me um they sent my portfolio over the company liked it hired me and I remember getting the notification at graduation and I was like oh my god there's no break is there uh, <laughs> I was like I, I I had wanted to you know maybe take like a month and just like rest <laughs> but 
no wow just straight yeah. i mean that's good it's just straight into it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and i worked there for eight months as an intern artist and after that um the internship ended i was looking for full-time work and it was very difficult especially for like a beginner artist it's it's rough out there trying to get contracts is difficult trying to get full-time is even worse uh, but eventually I did get picked up by a place I had applied to and I worked there until I was laid off, unfortunately, during a huge layoff wave. And yeah, it was pretty rough. And then I <laughs> then I applied to Maxis and <laughs> somehow they replied back to me. So <laughs> and then, yeah, it's been history ever since. I don't have like a hugely decorated like I've worked at a lot of contract places but not a lot of like I've worked at like two full studios mm. and you mentioned like after the internship ended are you saying it was like a struggle to find another full-time or a full-time role out of that why do you mm -hmm. think that is especially because from my mind I guess if you've you've graduated so you've got the like you mentioned you've got the piece of paper that, that says mm -hmm. you learned you've done a a role yeah, you'd think that. What do you think was, is it just part of the process or was it something missing that you didn't have at that time that you still needed to get? It's difficult because it's not even really about having the degree anymore. It's about who you know. It's about the fact that there is a distinct disadvantage to being not cis white male, unfortunately. Mm. I think having to apply through LinkedIn, you hit a lot of walls like requires 10 years experience for an entry level job there is that that's your current you're constantly fighting that you're also concept artists unfortunately are uh it's not competitive it's extremely competitive there's usually one or two positions for smaller studios and they they want you to be able to do everything they want you to do 3d 2d environments characters so it's it's like a it's an issue from many areas all stemming from like it's it's just like they require so much for an entry level if that makes sense yeah and i've had those discussions with uh with different people trying to understand that process and that thinking and it, it's almost like because you brought up the idea of networking mm -hmm. um already and like networking is a is a good thing like in itself it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing because you it makes sense you want to work with who you know and who you know has can do the job that you're looking for so i i get that and i i think the the issue is and you can tell me your thoughts on this is when it becomes too much of a closed network and yeah, yeah it, within your network it's likely to be a, a large amount of people who might look or have the same experience background might look like you um but when you only operate in that network and like refuse or resist like looking outside of it then that's when you start to lock people out and it becomes exclusive rather than inclusive yeah i would say that that definitely happens it's hard to get into the network unless you know someone who knows someone who knows someone yeah. and you know i i always try to keep open but also like from people who are working in the industry it's hard to know sometimes if people are just trying to know you to to know you or to use you kind of yeah yeah and that's a that's a hard can be a hard thing to determine i guess mm -hmm. especially I, I imagine like the further you go and and the more I, maybe the more access like you have then it becomes mm -hmm. more of a oh maybe i can get something from this person yeah and it's, it's happened unfortunately to me uh, where they're just like using me to talk about or to, to, to just use me as like a reference or something. And that always hurts a little bit, you know, because you, you don't want to be like just a resource. You want to be a person too. Person, yeah. No, I, I totally understand that. And because, yeah, the sort of best networking is like, yeah, get to know people um, and know people on a personal, like, you kind of like the same things or shared experience or whatever it might be rather than what can I get from this person? Yeah. 
yeah, exactly. The person that I knew who, uh, who got me into uh, my internship, I was friends first and then resource, you know, like a, a connection second. And then you you mentioned like your friend getting you the that first role and, and working with, well, working in your internship. And it, it's interesting, you mentioned like companies wanting every a bit of everything from you mm. as a uh, as a concept artist um so i imagine you've done a bit of everything do you have a preference in terms of like working on characters or props or environments 2d yeah. 3d i would say 2d character art is my favorite currently i do like drawing little props sometimes i think that's like uh when you kind of want to for me it, it, drawing organic stuff it, is like much more you're in it whereas sometimes drawing like a little paintbrush and like some books and stuff you're like you know what that looks like you can just put what that looks like with characters sometimes it's a lot more oh god i have to design this person hmm. yeah yeah i yeah i get that it's, it's easier when you know exactly what the thing mm -hmm. <laughs> looks like mm -hmm. yeah i understand that like in our brand in our universal characters uh they're all uh anthropomorphic so like we create characters but we also turn real people into animal characters which is always a fun process and in some ways easier because you get a photo of the person exactly. and then it's like you know what it what it needs to look like whereas when we're creating characters from scratch and it's kind of you're, you're trying to find the right look but you don't know what the right look is yet because mm -hmm. it's just, it's just coming <laughs> from your imagination you just have to feel it yeah definitely i i completely agree like drawing armor for characters like from scratch for me is like the hardest thing because you're like uh i need to match it to this character's personality but also be realistic and also use reference and it's it's a lot yeah <laughs> yeah so i find those go through the most iterations <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, for uh, me at least yeah yeah and before you got to Maxis, so we will get to Maxis and, and the Sims uh, as well. But uh, I noticed that you, so you've mentioned like having uh, a couple full time. You spent some time on contracts working freelance. I guess was there was there a decision to do that, or was that just the circumstances where you you were in at the time to go from employment to freelance? I think you mentioned uh, around the redundancies. Yeah, uh, I would say it wasn't. I my ideal i wanted to be full-time because i wanted that um the benefits i would say i was constantly seeking an actual full-time employment within a studio as well because okay. i do think there is a little bit of a when you're in college you're told to you're you want to get a full-time job you don't want to be contract it's it wasn't held in the same regard if that makes sense the full time in the studio with the jackets with the stickers and the mug like for a call for us college students like that was it you made it yeah and i i feel like now increasingly so there there is that consideration at a younger age of do i want to go into employment or work for myself and i feel i mean it's been a while since i was in university but uh, i feel there's like they uh I don't know what the word is, but like a, an image of like, you know, working for yourself, being your own boss, yeah, going freelance. What would you say to like a, a young person who is at that stage, maybe trying to decide between do I want to go into like employment or do I want to go freelance? I think it's it's hard. You have to be very disciplined if you're going to do freelance, mm. if you're going to do contract. You have to be extremely disciplined because... I think you need to constantly be improving. And I think the benefits of having a team is people will tell you how to better work in the group, how to better make a product that's effective. And uh, you're constantly learning from other people. Whereas when you're by yourself, of course, you have the feedback from your uh, contractee, whoever's contracting you. But it's a lot more like a roguish almost like um you're you know you're you're doing it and you're not having direct feedback as much yeah i i feel that one mm -hmm. as, uh, yeah because when i left my job and uh, i mean even up to now but particularly in the, the early days of 
uh, starting a business and uh, essentially working for myself is, yeah, you you were told like, here's the task, here's the, the measure of success in that task and you'll get that immediate feedback. Have you done it right or wrong? Do you need to mm-hmm. work on something? Like when it's your own, you can be working on something <laughs> and have no indication while. that this is not the right thing to do, like until yeah. way later down the road and then having to kind of spend all that time and effort only to find out like, oh, actually, this was not the, the right thing and there's no one to tell you because you could just keep going. I, I would say also um, when you're working with a team, you not only learn about your what you do, you learn about what other people do. And I think um, having that constant feedback from people to know what they're doing, how their part in the uh, machine works basically mm. is like super informative. Like I, for a long time, I didn't know like what QA did, or what sound design, like I knew like, oh yeah, you just make sounds or whatever. Or, <laughs> you know, I didn't they know. Like, love that. <laughs> yeah. They sounds. were like, oh wow. So you just, <laughs> I guess you just draw scribbles or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like producers, game designers, like being able to know how they do what their job is also informative to my job yeah that's good to have to understand it because wherever whether it's freelance or in a team or in a like employment you're working in a team so you're gonna have to you will require the services of someone else other than yourself so you're always gonna have to have that understanding what other people are doing and how you what you do fits in with other people Mm -hmm. and i mean speaking of what you do before we sort of continue let's just take a moment to establish what is a concept artist and so what is a concept artist and and where does your role fit in the video game development process so i would say to simplify concept artist is you're helping bring the ideas of the designers to uh to life basically you're they have an idea and you're there to help facilitate and draw out and um, make it come real, basically. I'd say we are towards the beginning of the pipeline. If it, you know, um, that's what you call it, like the the game dev pipeline. Um, you have the early concepts. Uh, Blue sky is what it's called. Is like the 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 really wild stuff. Things aren't completely tied down yet. Tech hasn't been involved yet. Where they come in and they're like, "Can't do that. Yeah, can't do that. Can't do that." Uh, (laughs) So a lot of times it's like the it's the fun time where you could just go crazy and draw whatever, uh, and then tech comes in and tells you you can't do that. Do you do that? Do you do that in a secluded room or far away from tech? No, (laughs) no, unfortunately not. They like to come in really early and and (laughs) I make them sound so. <laughs> uh yeah concept artists are, are towards the beginning but we're also working throughout okay throughout even later later in the process is that like when you're having to rework things and to make things fit into the actual build of a game yeah i would say so with with max specifically it's throughout and then there's past a certain point where it's like art lock and after art lock you will be moved on to another project so your uh... your work's never done <laughs> oh wow okay all right that's interesting to know and i learned a new phrase art lock mm-hmm. like i never heard yeah, of that before means generally they don't want any more assets in the game you know the 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 people implementing it are like okay and that's that's it <laughs> yeah no I, I definitely have come to appreciate the like the role of concept art even in, in what we do uh, making manga because for like the majority of the time we've been doing this it's been like we have an illustrator uh, on our team. I write and, in a sense, design, but I can't draw. So uh, <laughs> a lot of my ideas, like reference images, uh, very bad uh, sketches that our artist Penelli has uh, gained the skill of turning into sellable <laughs> things, uh, which is fantastic. <laughs> but what I realize is that there's been a stage missing of essentially exploring ideas. So not necessarily this is definitely going to be the thing that is going to make it into a book, but let's explore this idea, this character, this environment, how the perspective might look before we say, okay, yeah, let's go with that one. So we've been able to do that. I mentioned um, having interns, we've been able to do that over the past six months. Uh, and that's been, yeah, that's been a great, um, great addition to, to our pipeline, our manga 
pipeline and, and getting things done hopefully in a better way like i said we're still uh, we're just about finishing this uh, this new comic so hopefully that should uh, uh come out looking good but yeah the people will, will let me know yeah and i think it's also an important thing to say is like for concept artists our our work isn't always pretty and it's sometimes just literally a scribble on a screen trying to convey an idea yes and yeah i think there's a misconception out there that illustrator equal concept art especially like uh splash artists uh, or you know they do the splash screens stuff like that it, it's not the same illustrators get to like really make the pretty pictures sometimes concept artists do but most of the time it's just like we draw a boot we point at the boot with like it's what it's made out of and different orthographic turnarounds <laughs> it's it's not always beautiful no, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it, actually, because that's a really important point. And before um, our current intern, I, because we work with younger people in terms of like work experience and things like that. And I remember talking with some artists around developing some concept art. Um, and I remember thinking some of the work was, and is you know, very young, like I don't know, 16, 17. So um, it's more about getting them experience and, and mm -hmm. having them understand. But I remember they were, some stages where they were trying to draw draw pictures uh, mm -hmm. so I, I described something and, and they were trying to draw a picture of it and i was trying to explain like why masking is the the concept like the concept part of concept art is is yes. just that if not more important because i just want to explore the ideas not have you draw me a picture because that's what the illustrator will do later on so it's like understanding yes. that role so yeah glad you brought that up yeah concept artist is about ideating ideas quickly it's it's not about making the pretty picture it's about making the things that lead up to the pretty picture a lot of times like before you do like a splash image for like a fighting game someone has to design that character and you have to pull that inspiration from something and put it together and i think it's always important to remember for concept artists for traditional like 2d to 3d pipeline um you are making assets to for the 3D artist to model. I think that's an important thing to realize is that like your stuff has to be legible in a way, mm. very legible. Yeah, because someone else has got to work on it. <laughs> someone else on. has got to work yeah. on it. And if they don't know what the heck they're seeing, like then they're going to be like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, you can't because uh, sometimes even like I make notes and I can't even read my writing. You can't do that <laughs> yeah. in a team. <laughs> in a team. You can't make it legible. Okay, so we've established what uh, a concept artist is in general. So looking at now at Maxis and uh, The Sims. So you're working on The Sims 4. Mm -hmm. Yes. What is your role in the development and the ongoing development of uh, The Sims 4? And in particular, because I, I, I'm going to take a wild guess, you're not the only concept artist <laughs> uh, working there. So, I am not the only concept artist. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there what, are what so your, many. So what is your specific role in the development of that game? I'm a concept artist, too, that works on uh, the fashion. Uh, we call it creative sims or cast. I work on objects, environments, hairs, basically anything. Um, I'm not a senior position yet, but I am like above one step above like a beginner or entry level. I help oversee other artists, too and onboarding new artists as well so newer folks i get to help them basically fit in okay so you're as much well i, I don't know what the split is but there's um there's an element of the the craft of concept art and what you do and then managing people or at least supporting yes. people yes i say that's like a huge part also about being a concept artist is not you're not just drawing you're uh you're working with a team you're helping other people do their best. You're helping provide feedback. Most of my day is sometimes just meetings. Mm, <laughs> so okay, you you've wouldn't reached think that stage. That. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think when you're when you're a beginner, there's not as much meetings because like you're not in charge of so many things yet. And <laughs> when you get further on, you start seeing less tablet pen and more Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely understand that. And I think there's that. There is that idea of when you're just starting out and you think, I want to do this thing, say in this case, it's illustration. Then you start thinking like, oh, it's all going to be that thing. 
and no. <laughs> that is that's it forever and ever and i'm just gonna be uh drawing just leave me alone i'm just drawing so yeah i guess you had that uh if you had that dream at the beginning you had that shot fairly soon yeah you did yeah <laughs> i was like because i was told i remember being told that art directors barely draw they mostly do meetings and i was like that doesn't make any sense to me you're an art <laughs> director but the i was looking at the art part not the direction part yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah with a with the more senior concept artist positions you're you're mostly just like okay do this no 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 do the, uh, can do you have a second to zoom here let me show you <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and going back to like the idea of working for yourself and freelance, I feel that goes doubly so if you're working for yourself because you you got to do like all the other bits of yeah business. you have to be the other people <laughs> yeah and sometimes at the same time it's a uh, yeah it's a whole thing so definitely mm-hmm. keep that in mind like whichever route you go always keep that in mind <laughs> yeah you you said at the beginning that you were you played The Sims mm-hmm. at the earlier stages so what's that like now to work on the sims weird <laughs> i remember it being so strange i would play the sims and then i played sims 2 sims 3 sims 4 and i was playing sims 4 way before i actually worked on it and it was a strange dissonance meeting the people that put the stuff into the game that i loved and being like oh it's just a person behind <laughs> you know there's the it, it, when when it's like a faceless maxis like you're like oh they create they create cool stuff and then you learn how it's created and it's really eye-opening and then you see your stuff the thing you did yeah is even weirder it's like whoa people millions of people are seeing this what the hell <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah I, I i can imagine that and you see people's reaction to what you're doing as well because now you're yeah, the, you're the faceless well yeah now now i'm the the faceless company yeah. entity <laughs> <laughs> which is it, it's it's eye-opening and it's also like sobering and slightly it, it can get a little bit like not like maddening but there's like a weird feeling when people non-devs like players are like oh they don't care about us uh you know or something like that Mm. and then you're like i do i (laughs) i really do (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know i feel like tazzy like we've spoken about this the idea of like people's understanding of the development process and having maybe have we talked about this like having empathy people players having understanding and empathy for the people that actually make the games yeah we've definitely definitely spoke about it and uh I think as well it's like that that the idea that like you can't you don't really have like the players and then the people that make the games like in a room together like airing their frustrations I guess because mm-hmm. obviously there's all these barriers if you are making games why things might not be uh, how the player wants them and you might both want the same thing yeah and a lot of the times it's like the player just doesn't understand that there's limitations there's things like we literally cannot do i want to do it i promise i do (laughs) and there's also like misunderstandings of like for the very basic under misunderstanding is like people will write me and go can you fix this bug and i'm like i am an artist (laughs) 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 i have no idea (laughs) wow yeah just get in the code and just just fix that yeah sure let me just learn (laughs) those things (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i I can appreciate that i just like because you are the you're the faceless company so you must (laughs) know all parts right ea maxis i i don't care about players i just want money and then meanwhile i see a mean comment and i'm like sobbing at my desk like (laughs) i I still want you to think of that yeah no it definitely is good to that's why it's good to speak to people who are parts of making the game because then help you understand like these are uh actual people people. (laughs) (laughs) with kids and pets and stuff and and you know at the end of the day we don't (laughs) i will say the overwhelmingly good part of game dev just we're trying our best (laughs) (laughs) oh it's definitely appreciated and i mean you you said like playing the sims and, and being a fan and, and the sims have been around for like years and years and years but for you as a 
concept artist who comes in at the beginning of things, what is that process like when you're coming into something that's already very established? Like how much, how much room is there for creativity and, and trying different things? Uh, surprisingly a lot with the sims especially like nothing i would say like nothing is too crazy there are aliens there are vampires <laughs> there are i mean robots you can you can have a robot husband and stuff like i'd say like nothing's off the table Fair for enough. the sims <laughs> so it's there is a lot of creativity and i learn about new fashions like every day uh especially like oh man i feel <laughs> I'm, I'm not very old i'm only 28 but like i see like new tiktoker uh fashion trends i'm like what the hell is going on <laughs> i'll see some stuff and i'm like i'm so old what is this? <laughs> or the worst is vintage 90s i'm like oh <laughs> yeah to be fair i think i feel tiktok makes most people for old, feel, I, know, feel old. I, uh, I thought it was just me but um no <laughs> so i mean there is a lot of so there is a lot of room there and then then as an artist sort of a similar question but as a artist how much of you how much of yourself do you are you able to put into your work i would say um quite a bit because First off, um, being like queer myself, I, <laughs> I it's funny now. I'm like I'm in a position to put this in everything. <laughs> so, so like monsters and vampires and everything. Then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I put that in there, and then I'm like, I just made a variant that's a rainbow or like a lesbian flag and stuff like that, and, and oh, okay. I put that in in into the game itself, mm. and then seeing it as like a finished project product. And The Sims is like super open to including, like we want to be inclusive. So being able to like, it's not even sneaking stuff at this point. It's just like putting. <laughs> just there. <laughs> it's just there. <laughs> and being able to put like a lot of my stuff, like I've snuck my cat in to like a oh, lot really? of like outfit stuff. <laughs> that's cool. Okay. That's, yeah. I, and I, uh, yeah, to, to be fair, like The Sims is, I guess is the game for that, isn't it? Is, is, yeah. Yeah. It really is. You could put, <laughs> you could just express yourself with anything. And we're always, uh, Maxis is like surprisingly just always open to learning about new cultures and asking people, not just like doing it or like not learning, but like asking, getting information on, on this stuff from the people themselves. Um, it, it's always really refreshing. I learn something new every day. And what would you say is the best thing you've worked on in the game or, or like something that has stuck with you in terms of like the, the impact or something mm. that players have responded really well to? I would say um, when we actually added more skin tones to the game and started uh, yeah. redoing our uh, black hairs because uh, some of the earlier hairs were not made with all the knowledge and care that could have been put into it. Um, I learned so much about it, but still always have so much more to learn. And being able to see players be so happy about having the skin color that matched their skin was like priceless, honestly. Mm. I have to say, like in the past, I don't know, like year, two years, mm -hmm. Sims has like come so far in terms yeah. of inclusion. It's gone from the game that I kind of gave up on because I was just fed up of. Mm -hmm. left out and then like now i'm like oh my god there's like not just skin tone but skin temperature like hello <laughs> yeah i actually got to be the one that like started and and worked on that which i i my wife is big into makeup so i started like learning about like the you know warm cool uh neutral sort of stuff so when i was developing the skin tones i was also taking stuff from the pantone skin color like um they did like a huge spread of like every trying to cover every skin tone in the world uh the from the darkest darks to the lightest lights and seeing the variation i was super inspired to put that uh, the darkest of darks into the game and but make it also look natural and and beautiful because a lot of the times with lighting the lighting does not do dark skin just you know justice oh that i know i'm yeah with that. <laughs> uh, every time we do a stream i struggle with that but anyway 
yeah, it, it, it's it's hard because you don't want to blow out the skin color. You don't want to, you know, uh, darker skin reacts a different way to light. And sometimes games can't quite like portray that. So I would say like it, that seeing seeing the darkest variation uh, make it to the game and people being like, this is me, that it was it was like worth it completely a thousand percent. And in terms of speaking of reactions to to your work, is is there something in your role that might seem easy to do, but it's actually really difficult? Mm, let's see. Probably you'd think like um like the ideation stage is easy because you're just like just draw to the next thing, but sometimes you get like really caught up in it and you're like, no, but I have to let me fix this idea, <laughs> you know, like in your in in the art director is like, I have like 20 of these by the end of the day. And you're like still on number two because you want to make it perfect. Yeah, uh, I'd say like that's that's pretty difficult. You need to have the discipline to be like, all right, I'm done. I'm going on to the next thing. Yeah, I was going to say you got you have to be able to like draw those lines, figuratively yes, speaking, draw yourself. line that this is done. This is next thing. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of discipline because you can easily get caught up in perfecting something that uh isn't even going to be picked yeah yeah that's that's the key thing that isn't even going to be picked like say about like 80 percent of our initial work is like never seen Mm. (laughs) so yeah i would say you have to uh also uh say goodbye to creations yeah (laughs) that doesn't surprise me i mean i when i i think to like workshops i do workshops with young people I, I think i might have mentioned this on the podcast before but uh, i always uh laugh inside when i see like kids and you know we're talking like kids i don't know 10 to 15 and they're doing characters and they're putting so much care into characters and it, which is great like you know i'm not gonna <laughs> like stop that but <laughs> inside i'm like you're gonna have to do that like uh yeah. we're just on character development we're gonna have to actually draw the comic or you're gonna have to draw the comic and you're gonna have to repeat that over and over again so over like, you should not even over. be that attached <laughs> at this stage but continue because you know you want to uh nurture that engagement so it's a delicate balance <laughs> and then in terms of representation we, we've talked about representation in terms of like hair skin tone uh you've mentioned uh being queer and LGBTQ representation uh, in games is, is another uh, big aspect. So looking back at sort of when you were playing games initially at younger stage, like where do you rate rep, uh, LGBTQ representation in games like then versus now in the way oh you are gosh. in your career now? Extremely different. Um, I know we have, as the industry, we have a long way to go there's still even issues with seeing you know women as main characters in games uh, especially queer people like queer people of color there's still so much more to go but from when i was young i feel like it's just day and night you know you see a lot more queer rep like uh, in apex legends there's like you know bi uh lesbian there's like uh <laughs> pansexual it, it's like it's really cool to be able to see that. Yeah, no. And what do you think are the, the challenges around I, I, like a queer representation, but maybe mm-hmm. just any kind of any uh, kind diverse of representation? Because I feel uh, like from my perspective, I feel sometimes there's a there's a thing of if, if it's different, if it's non-straight white mm-hmm. male, it has to be justified. Yeah. And yeah. that can be exhausting where like going outside of games for a moment, I remember watching... so. Get Out is a is a good example, but what was the uh, Jordan Peele his his next film? Um, Us. Us. Yes. Yes. What I liked about that is you have this story that featured you know black leads that wasn't about being black, and mm-hmm. there was no need to justify why they were there, why they were black. They just yeah. they just are. <laughs> they just yeah. are, and and continue with the the film. Uh, and yeah, I feel like some of the challenges, like always having to justify why why this character must be different than the yeah. quote unquote norm. Like, where do you think that? Yeah, how do you it's challenge infuriating. that? Yeah, um, it's like with queer characters, it's 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 one thing, but it's it's even worse for people of color. It's like, well, why are they that? And it's like, 
can it can it that just not white isn't standard yeah. <laughs> like it's not the default uh <laughs> other things don't need to be justified to have it and i think a good thing with the sims is it's it's not even about there's no like main story there's no like the world is the world and i'd say like the hardest part is like bringing over religious stuff without um you have to be sensitive to it you don't because our game doesn't like ad, uh, overtly show religion but at the same time you know that could be used for people to say why is there a hijab in the game and it's like well because that's a part of someone's person that's that's someone's personhood that could be a part of their you know entire thing so you want to be able to show that and you want people to be able to have a sim that's wearing that because that's what they wear. Yeah, I guess that's like quite a line to uh, to balance. Mm-hmm. You think there are like good examples? I mean, obviously uh, the sims, but like good examples of uh, LGBTQ characters in in other games or other media, uh, even. And what would make something like stand out uh, in your mind? I um. Like the first thing that comes to mind for like LGBT rep for me, I I love Dishonored, my one of my favorite games, and uh, learning that the main character of the second game, Emily Caldwin, is has a partner who is non-binary was like really cool for me because I'm non-binary. So you know, seeing like they them in the game was really really cool and like justify like oh that's that's like me that's that's awesome like the first the first time I heard um of like an asexual character in the game was like Mass Effect <laughs> and I was like that's me too <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's 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 really awesome when you see something that's like yourself and you're like oh you learn more about yourself too yeah it does it does make a difference when you can see something you recognize either in yourself or people mm-hmm. in in and around you in a video game in media uh, and yeah it doesn't always have to be justified mm-hmm. okay so we are almost going to get to our pro tip but i did want to touch on something because i feel especially with creatives the idea of uh imposter syndrome is something mm. that that comes up and in our last gamepad uh, online event, I spoke to uh, people who were just breaking into the industry. So had just gotten their foot in the door. I think one who was like only a, a couple months uh, into a job. And one of the things that came up is imposter syndrome, this idea that should I be here? Did they make the right decision? And one of the things I've found, especially over the last you know year, year and a half, is that it it hits at any level. <laughs> so even like with yourself like is that something you've had to deal with like having gone through the initial like intern stage you're now in a, a stable role yeah a thousand percent how do you deal with that if if at all i think that's kind of a big uh, question but it's it's hard um i would say yes to your point it hits everyone there are people that i consider like my immense like inspiration like basically people i hold in the highest regard and i've Mm. talked to them and yeah it hits them too so if you think about it it's like you're always looking up into your left and that person is also up looking up into their left there's (laughs) it never stops someone is always going to be like i wish i do i deserve to be here um and i would say to that yes you do you got to where you were what you're feeling right now is guilt of being like i i you know i don't deserve to be here there's always someone better than me why didn't they pick them and it's almost like with game art and being hired it's like a survivor's guilt kind of thing there's so many of people who are also applying and you're like why didn't you choose them you have to remember that they saw something in you and you have a unique perspective to bring to art no matter what, you know, um, and especially if you come from a situation where you're not as advantaged, you're not as privileged, like having that sort of view perspective, it's priceless. It's it really is. And um, how to deal with it. Uh, you just kind of have to fight back the negative feelings as best as you can. And almost like punch it in the face is what my one of my uh, senior artists would always tell me is just imagine it as an annoying person who's telling you you're not good enough and punch them in the face and just keep going i have to try that 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, I've not heard that one. All right. Well, uh, keep that one um, in hand. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, like I say, it is something that hits. And the more I talk to people, it was kind of like a realization, like, wait, is is everyone else feeling really, Everyone. Really this? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Off that advice, we're now going to go into our more guest advice segment. In each interview, we ask our guests to give advice for aspiring creative professionals. So we're talking video games and art today. So yeah, Nina, what advice do you have for others who are listening and may want to get started with creating art for video games? First advice is to not be dismayed when you get rejection. Um, Mm. I have over 300 rejection emails. I keep them, I save them, and uh, I use it as a way to be like, I got here. And also a way to show that even someone you may hold in like high regard, they they also probably have them. I would say 99% of them, unless you're like literally God come to earth, uh, you will have a rejection email sometime. And that's from the studios that responded. <laughs> mm. um, do not let it dismay you. Keep going. Keep applying. And it's don't take it personal. A lot of these places have automatic systems uh, for recruiters that are in place. And you have to think about it almost clinically sometimes. It's you didn't put the right, you know, typey type into the into the <laughs> system or someone wasn't paying attention or the art director had five seconds to look through your thing and just didn't see what he wanted or she wanted or they wanted. And that's it. Don't take it personal. <laughs> mm. You have to have a certain level of re- detachment from the process. Yeah. Yes, you do. And Which can be hard um, to that's hard. It's hard when you're starting off. It's I cried. I And don't be afraid to cry. <laughs> is another piece of advice it happens it's okay to feel bad about not getting your dream job you can always go back to it it's it'll be okay yeah no that is that is good advice it it, on some level it's a numbers game and yeah like you say just not to take it too personally because it's not like if you've handed something like a cv cover letter whatever it might be it's not like they've they've gone through and they've looked at your life and they've said you are (laughs) you are not worthy for this position how dare you apply go away it's just like you say the system or someone just glanced at it and you didn't have the right combination of words and yeah so it it it's not you like as a person if you even make it past the system you're have you have a recruiter who's been looking through thousands a day you know it's it's not you yeah but i would say it's hard so <laughs> but yeah no thanks for that and so yeah uh listeners you can give us uh your feedback uh, as always let us know what you think if you've got any tips uh also feedback at mymatter.com so before we end the interview we want to make sure uh we stop by our bonus round <laughs> So this is the part where we throw some follow-up questions or random questions that didn't quite fit in before. So what games that you haven't worked on have impressed you from an art perspective? Oh, Dishonored. <laughs> like a thousand percent. It's like my favorite game of art direction ever. The colors, the, the I love stylized art, so seeing the stylized art in that game look almost like a watercolor painting with the textures. I remember just uh, (laughs) once you get into game art, sometimes your gaming is spent hours of you looking at a texture on a wall and being like, how do they do that? That's amazing. Uh, So my, most of my time playing Dishonored was like me staring at a character model going like, wow, look at at the seam they drew on that arm. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Dishonored is like on my, Oh, I need to play that list that just hasn't been to. played. It's so good. Mine too. It's so good. And I feel like I have like really not many excuses because it is on Game Pass and I have that. Get, get Dishonored and then play through that and then get Deathloop. 
I know, like everyone loves Deathloop, right? Mm-hmm. I can't play it because I don't, I don't have a PS5. But <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> I have no excuse. I need to get that that yeah. Mass Effect and every other game that I've missed <laughs> this, <laughs> this year. So many. <laughs> the the like rolling scroll of honestly. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Also, we both want to know what kind of plants you have in your collection, oh, oh, and we can oh, really God. do with some plant care tips. <laughs> yeah, oh and can we just say, like, uh, I'm just going to be full transparency. This is the real reason for this interview. So hopefully oh, people got something from all the video game stuff. This is the real reason we're here, because <laughs> I've had one plant die on me. Um, yeah, I have an aloe vera that's suffering, and I'm like, I don't know what you want. What do you want from me? <laughs> yeah, like, talk to me. Like, talk to me. What are you, <laughs> what am I not doing? oh man uh so i have so many i have my philodendrons i have my pothos i have my succulents that are outside i have my calthea i have my uh (laughs) i have like so many in my house that my wife is like honey we're running out of room (laughs) so then i got a bigger apartment so now she can't say that anymore (laughs) (laughs) when i was still living in my 400 square foot apartment it was like just covered in plants and she was like we have to fit the TV somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As for plant care, I just try and water them like when they're very dry and I don't try and overwater them because that could lead to like root rot. Let's see. Okay, so you're waiting to the very, like specifically very dry. Yes. Yeah. Very, very dry. You don't, especially with a a lot of crawling plants like a pothos, um, they, I'd say if you have problems killing plants, that's your plant for you. It barely needs anything and it, it, it can take like you forgetting it for like a month. All right. And just for the record, it, it's singular plant, not, it's not yet plural. Just, uh, just want to like yeah, set the record straight. We haven't, there's only one body <laughs> so far. <laughs> so. Yeah. I would say try that as, as your first and you water it when it wilts. And then once you water it, it, unwilts itself and then you repeat that forever <laughs> and are you using like is we just water because uh, i've seen some like stuff you can add in water and add to plant nutrients in that uh, mix. you fertilize once a month uh with like a fish emulsion sort of thing uh and not too much of that you have to dilute it quite a bit uh straight up like pouring fish emulsion into your thing or like <laughs> <laughs> kill it instantly um you water like once a week or every two weeks i would say for a lot of these plants but it depends on the plant and the key is placement in the house you want it to get basically filtered sunlight not direct lighting for a lot of these like uh pothos or philodendron you don't want to burn them which is hard in southern california (laughs) yeah i don't think that's the problem we have in the uk yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so it's not that i'm gonna cross that off the list I mean, not that I know what any of those those words mean. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm totally googling those. Um, yeah. Is there any more plant questions, Nigel? No, just I'm gonna try. Well, I've got two more, and they're doing better. Although one started to doesn't look so great. So maybe I'm just like negligent. I need to keep a stricter watering regime. Do you, Do you know what it is? Maybe I could help. <laughs> the um, plant. Yes. No. Is the answer? Oh, and it's green. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Devil's ivy. Yes, get that. So devil's ivy and Chinese evergreen. Oh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, I think that's one of the ones that I want. Isn't that supposed to be like really easy to look after? To be fair, this one's doing the best. Yeah, so this one's doing the best. But I feel they could be thriving just a little bit more, and there's there's more I could be doing. Yeah, just uh care for them gently water them when you when every one to two weeks cool Uh, talking to plants is beneficial yeah you could uh you know like boost them up their morale (laughs) you can grow (laughs) they're like positive reinforcement (laughs) yeah Yeah, they like positive reinforcement (laughs) all right i'm gonna try that uh watering schedule stricter and more positive reinforcement yes (laughs) okay no more questions so that is the end of our interview. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss uh, a future episode. You can always give us a quick rating and review 
on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, as this helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. Our next manga, Serious Through the Fog, is coming this autumn. You can pre-order that uh, and check out our current stories on the Maya Matter website. That's mayamatter.com forward slash manga. And for the gaming fans, you can also join the Gamepad Discord and become a member of Studio 77 for exclusive access to Gamepad events and content from the Maya Matter universe. You can catch the VOD of Gamepad Online, which was Saturday 16th of October. And stay tuned for the next event. Get your tickets and check out when that date is uh, next year at Gamepad.events. Other than that, stay tuned for more podcast episodes, including creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at myamada.com. And our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story. So until next time, stay safe and we will see you again soon. Mm -hmm.